Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people, just like you, with real stories, just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Grace Asagra from Quantum Nurse Podcast. She is an RN, HNBC, MA, INHAS, QRA practitioner, the author of Healing the Healing Dance, a fusion of massage and Asian healing arts. She is the host of the podcast Quantum Nurse Out of the Rabbit Hole from Stress to Bliss. With Grace's science background as a seasoned registered nurse and immersion of her family's practice in indigenous medicine in the Philippines, she's powerfully blended traditional Filipino health healing practices, traditional Western medicine, and quantum energy medicine. She came from full circle in her nursing training and experiences from community nursing in the Philippines using herbal treatments, food medicine, and rituals to critical care nursing for t- of 20 years. And now back in public health nursing, working with clients diagnosed with dementia. In the ancient ancestral wisdom is brought forth as primary sources for health restoration, grace can help you realize your best self, be mindful and healthy, and find the energy to excel in life. Her individual, her individual, her individual, individually tailored programs achieve through this nutrition, lifestyle, and behavior changes that bring meaning and health to you so you can help live a healthier and happier existence. Be fully present in every, in every moment. Grace, thank you, for, thank you for coming onto the show and welcome. Thank you for having me, John. Thank you so much. So what got you, what got you to start the Quantum Nurse podcast? I was really thinking about doing a podcast two years ago, uh, just because there's just, you know, many alternative health insights and interventions that I believe are so important and very practical and effective. So that if most people will know about this, then they could have alternative treatments or incorporate and uh, combine their Western medicine treatment with alternative treatment so that they could experience better outcomes. So I've been thinking of that. And from what I understand two years ago, that podcasting is getting popular. And then I remember that when I was growing up, radio really was our means of communication. So there might be a slight difference, of course, with podcasting and radio, but in every Filipino home, there's radio. And I remember when I first came to the United States that when you are, when, when we were doing medications in the hospital as a nurse, and some nurses who are from another country will say, how come you Filipino nurses, you're always singing. Then I said, hmm, I never thought of that. But I remember we're always singing because we, are, we were always listening to radio. 
and all commentaries, all information was from the radio. So I thought that podcasting will be perfect. But of course, just like anything else, I put that on the side burner. I got stuck with technology, so I put that on the back burner. But this unprecedented time of quarantine like was a perfect opportunity to really give birth to this this uh, idea that I've been thinking about. And there, you know, opportunity that you don't go anywhere, you have limited contact with people. And I feel like I gotta, I have to do something to express myself, to provide platform for people to express themselves as well and share their passion of healing, especially complementary healing, especially healing that most people don't know or are scared to embrace. And that's how, what brought me to Quantum Nurse Podcast. And of course, it's watching the people whom I care for, especially the elderly people, like suddenly they have no place to go for a respite between the family members and the dementia caregivers. So I said, okay, this really has to be given birth. So now here I am, just like you, and I'm really honored that I I can call you as my colleague in podcasting. Same here. Uh, really, really appreciate you being on here. Uh, you being a nurse, I'm assuming that you weren't stuck in quarantine, right? Oh, no, I'm not, but I had a choice not to be, not to be in the hospital work anymore. Because uh, by, I have stopped working as a nurse in the hospital, which is the craziest environment for a nurse. The most is stressful is to work in a corporate hospital, especially in critical care. And that's where I was for 20 years. So I've stopped doing that. And I was really working in a dementia um, daycare, medical adult daycare. So just like when there's a children's daycare. So this one is specially dedicated for dementia, Alzheimer's, and those elders who have chronic physical condition that they don't necessarily fit in a regular senior places. They needed some help medically and nursing help. So that's where I was. Well, it's sort of also a product of the quarantine because they closed the business. They, I mean, the government said we cannot operate. So we were not operating openly. Um, but I, I'm able to go out if I need to, to visit the family members. There's so much fear that sometimes if I ask family members if I can visit them, or would they just want me to connect on the phone? Most of them will, will really choose the, to just connect on the phone. So rarely do I go out. Yesterday, I did go out and visited a 95-year-old client because the daughter who lives in another state asked me to visit the mother and help the mother take away like aspirin for the next five days and take away omega-3 for the next five days because this 95-year-old lady, she is going to have a dental procedure. So one of the protocol for the supplements is the some supplements that the Western medicine think that may cause blood thinning. So they don't want any un undesirable 
unnecessary bleeding. So they, I put that aside. So that's one of the kind of like, not too much in the quarantine, but I had to go out. But it's the wonderful thing is I have a choice like that. <laughs> that's, that's very good. Um, so what is indigenous medicine in the Philippines? I grew up in such a way that when we were sick, the first go-to help will be within the family. So let me just paint a picture that we didn't grow up with insurance plans, okay? Um, we knew there were doctors, we knew there were hospitals, but most of us don't have health insurance. So that means we didn't depend on it that we paid for it already. And we knew that if we go anywhere to any hospital or doctors, then we better make sure we have money. And uh, my family belonged to the lower middle class. So the, that, that when you get sick, you, it's, your first help is from either your grandmother, your mother, your aunt. So just within the family. So we do that. Like example, when we have a fever, so our parents will already make you the medicinal food, which would, is usually like broth, bone broth, or like a rice, rice broth that if it's in Chinese culture, they call it like congee. So it's like rice with ginger, with some herbs more, and with bone and maybe chicken or some pieces of chicken. So that could be like your medicinal food. Then if your family, if after three, it's an average of like three days that you are not feeling better yet, then our family will reach out to someone in the community who is known, who is like, who is making a living of being a healer in the community. And that healer in the community knows about herbs. So herbs you, you take, herbs you apply on your body. So if herbs, um, things or and rituals, if they think that, okay, you might have met a spirit that doesn't resonate to your own. So that's why you're getting sick. Like most of the time, like little babies, suddenly they have a stomach pain or they start crying at nighttime. And that's because they just visited someone or they met someone that who is not their relative perhaps. So then they go to someone who knows how to do some prayers or some, some prepare some herbs. So basically it's indigenous in the Philippines. There's just thousands and I believe it could be like millions of medicinal herbs, some of them are undocumented or they're not in the literature. So they use most of that. And there's even like this practice that it, what it reminds me here when I came to United States is the chiropractic medicine. Philippines is known so much for that in terms of like bone setting or when you have sprain and if that also like if you are some have, have aches aching uh, achy, uh, back or any kind of joint may, maybe dislocation so we don't have a chiropractor but we have those healers that who is specializes just for 
those bone, bony and bones and joints. Mm. So that's, that's like anything from, from nature. It becomes like part of the indigenous healing. That's interesting. Uh, so this, these teachings will be passed from grandmother to mother to daughter? You, that's what's, ha what's been happening. Now, I haven't been there. I haven't lived there for a long time. So just like most indigenous practices all over the world, they seem to be a, 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 there's like an interruption or there's not a nice flow anymore of sharing it from you one, one family ancestor or to another. So there's always, so what once in a while, I'm surprised that young people will have that urge to learn more and they'll reach out to me and they'll tell me, can you teach us? more of our indigenous healing. I said, sure. So it, it's nice. There's like that innate, this innate desire for young people to just learn. And then those, those for me, those are the, the young people who will eventually will keep the tradition, especially like in the Philippines, we don't have a lot of written texts for this practices. So it's all word of mouth and it's, basically hanging out with someone who practices it. I think that's really important. And, and you said something really key there that uh, the younger generation is starting to reach out to find out uh, their roots. And we're going to get into like finding your roots and stuff like that later on. But uh, just to move, move on a little bit forward, um, how, does, how does that differ from Western medicine? How, Okay, well, the one difference is here, they, again, I may be wrong, but when I, first, when I came in 1985, right away, I know that most people will depend more on what the doctors say, okay? So um, if you don't have any medical background, you may be talking about good things about eating well, but if the doctors do not endorse that, then they won't. They may not listen to someone who doesn't have the degree. That's one difference. Because in the Philippines, most indigenous healers, obviously, we didn't have medical schools. So we we. But because of their rep reputation, because of their experience for many many years of healing. We respect that. So those, that's kind of like two different mindset. And right away in the Western medicine, but there is growing number of doctors now who talk about food and lifestyle. Before, when I first came in 1985, rarely, there's very, just, just a handful of doctors who, will, who believe and recognizes that something in food, something in your mindset, something in your behavior, or in your lack of activity that might be causing you to be sick or not to be fully healthy. But in the Philippines, in, 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 in indigenous mind of healing, I know that behavior is emphasized. Like they go right away to how your attitude is, how you behave, how you look at life. 
So it's kind of now more, which is very popular. It's like your mindset or your, you know, it's, it's, it's now, now we here in, in the Western world, it's fully recognized that you, your beliefs, your behaviors do affect your health. So, but back then that wasn't really talked about, like as if they think it's such a superstitious belief when they do that. So that's, that's one approach from the indigenous as opposed to here. And, uh, and, of, and another thing is most, peop- most doctors, I guess, you know, will right away prescribe you pills, okay? And in the Philippines, they, there's nothing to prescribe if you go to an indigenous healer, definitely not pills, but it will be some kind of herbal concoction. In fact, when when I, all, all I'm sharing to you is a lot of my first time when I first came to United States because it was really like eye opening for me. Then when I know I realized that he in the Philippines all our herbal concoction they really taste bitter. It's not pleasant. So if you want to get better, you have a strong desire to get better. You go through that bitter taste, bitter drinks, bitter food. Then when I came here and I saw beautiful herbal stores, it smells so good, everything is in a fancy jar. I, and most herbs, they taste good because there's a lot of sugar in it. <laughs> and there's a lot of, or maybe they put flavors in it already. So I said, well, you know, it's, it's all good, but that's the main difference uh, of that in terms of even the use of herbs. Uh, and then it's, in, in, in the indigenous way of healing, you're open. It, they don't say don't use your, your uh, the Western medicine way, but they always encourage you to use their indigenous way of healing in, in, in my culture. So it's the same thing as in another culture. But I know that in Western medicine, they, they like, uh, at least now, they're honoring that you take supplements before, oh my goodness, they will be like so upset if you're taking something outside, outside what you're, they say you should take. So oh, and it's basically a lot of control happening from the health professionals as opposed to the local healers who also listens who listens more so they listen more to the ordinary person coming so you know so it's that i think those 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 are the highlights that i can see mm-hmm. so i mean any everybody can see the 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 shift towards supplementation and how supplements can actually um speed up processes and you know you know, not get you sick and stuff like that. Um, there was a train of thought that I wanted to continue with that, but it just went straight over my head. <laughs> we'll come back. <laughs> Probably. Maybe it's just gone forever. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you've... Uh, I've known you for, for quite some time now, for what, eight, 10 weeks now? 
about mm-hmm. 10 weeks intense week <laughs> yeah eight intense weeks and two mm-hmm. ca- very calm chilled out weeks mm-hmm. um you talk about critical thinking what is critical thinking to you for me critical thinking is always thinking outside the box okay and so if okay thinking outside the box and also not just taking anything or believing anything that someone tells you even when it is from some type of authority to tell you that so so, and when you are critical in critical thinking you have to embrace all different possibilities possibilities or factors, conditions that may be outright, uh, it's outright, you can see it, but there could be also those unexpected ones. So that's for me critical thinking. And the other thing when I, I hear critical thinking is like always relating one situation to a lot of other things. So like when I think of health, I don't just think of health in terms of my my supplements, my my medications, you know, if you have medications or my stomach pain or whatever symptom you have. I have to think of what's going on in my family or like since I'm here and what's going on with my family back in the Philippines. Maybe either they're affecting me or I'm affecting them. So like that kind of all that energy, right? And then when when I remember every patient I take care of, I have to get to know what type of work do they do or how's their family, how's their type of living or like, are they financially okay? And just all these things that can affect one's health. So I remember when I started to learn about medication and then get to know the process of how all these medications are produced in a factory and how much one pill can just cost few cents and then sold in terms of many hundreds of pesos or dollars. And, and, and then it, it, it makes me really think hard and be mindful to what I'm recommending. And then I have to think of it for myself. So that's for me, critical thinking. So when, when this situation happened that they said, I remember I was in a theater in New York in March and they said, one of the nurses, and she was my direct, the director of the theater of what I was part of. And we had a show that week, which was canceled because they said, oh, it is declared as pandemic. And I'm like, uh, really? So then they right away said, oh, it's because of what happened in China. And then right away, they, most people blame it on the bats, blame it on the lifestyle. Uh, I mean, those are for me, that's, it's always easy to blame others. So. If we're not critical thinkers, we'll take everything that's given to us just like it is. But there's always 
something underlying on what you, we hear. Now, and I, I believe that's how I became really dedicated and persistent in my lifestyle, at least for me. Because I said, okay, I cannot be doing other things like, you know, I grew up during the time of martial law also in the Philippines. And I wasn't really imagining myself to be out in the boondocks doing other th military things because I know I have a role in, in, in another way. But when I think of that coming here, and it's easy to blame outside, I, one has to take responsibility for what your action is. All this is critical thinking. And, and then I became a critical care nurse. And in critical care nursing, that's always really the, the, the training in our head. Like if, if the urine is a small amount and we expect it to be more, then we have to think what other organs is other than the kidneys may be affecting that urine. And then you have to think what could be causing it. Is it really lack of fluid or something is blocking? So there's always something that you have to, to, to relate to one situation. Then a critical care thinking also acts fast. Fast, but with caution. <laughs> fast and because in critical thinking, especially if you're a nurse, you really have to, you're saving life or you may hurt someone. So, and so, but I own that I can apply in your day-to-day -day life. That's the wonderful when you're a critical thinker. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff that you just said that I want to touch up on. And I actually made notes this time, so I don't forget. <laughs> Uh, you said that energy affects us um, in different in different places. Like if you are in the U.S. and your family back home in the Philippines, maybe their energy is affecting you uh, over there. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think this is I think this might be very important because something is a powerful energy, such as like um, depression uh, for some people that I know for a fact firsthand that it does affect somebody else in your house, in, in the house and the people around you. So I'd like to, I'd like to get your thoughts a little bit deeper on that part. Okay. Mm. The, the word energy, we, we heard about that. We, we, we use that already in the Philippines, right? But during my time growing up, we didn't even use the word frequency, okay? Which basically is also is the equivalent to an energy. And this is also coming from an indigenous way of thinking. So when I came to United States, and when you come from a different country, and you, uh, you come to a foreign country, and some of us don't have relatives to come to, to go home to to guide us directly so there there's a period that you worry did you do the right thing or can you survive in united states but one thing that i did have coming here is i have a belief already there's there's someone there's something bigger than me that will be able to protect me when i come to united states 
So when I first, then that's when I got introduced to other people who were doing some workshops in Newark in the university. And they were talking about knowing thyself to heal thyself. So then one of them was an African Inganga who is an African shaman. And when she, he realized that I was worried about how uh, my family back home and I'm worried about, concerned about me here. So one thing he did say is stop worrying about them. Focus on yourself here and do your best that things that you're doing is for your health and for your wellness because that will just travel to your family. Uh, there was no explanation given to me in terms of quantum terms or science terms, but for some reason, I did believe that, again, back to your behavior, no matter where you are, if you are already entangled, but because you are already related, then it will affect you. So, but the beautiful thing when I did that is it was really true. When I, when I was feeling good here and happy, my sister and my brother were feeling happy there. Then when they have problems or like, especially not they're not physically not feeling well, I can, I can sense that on myself as well. So if that is happening from that far of a distance, then that, that is even highly possible and that not possible, it is happening also when you live in just one roof, okay? Um, and I guess I can relate again to stories like when my son was growing up and you know, as a mother, you always have your standard and then my son was just a teenager. So then, but I realized that every morning it's like I get mad and upset because of the things I don't see organized. And it basically was, I was just hurting myself. Then I'm not really getting the positive response that I had from my son because I wasn't giving him the good positive things because I'm just being irritable as a mother. Then just one day I realized I should stop that. Then when I stopped it, things were also looking different, more favorable. So, and so those are like examples for me when those, your energy, can affect you directly. And, and then same thing as when I work, I, I'm still working in, in work with people, whether I was in the hospital nursing or, or in a small air, area now with a medical center. When one is not very happy when they come to work, then it, it will also be, uh, it, it could affect the other staff's performance. Okay, so it's just crucial that one person will always have to mind your behavior. Now, if it so happens that it is you who is aware of that, this is now the time to practice that if you are with a person who is grouchy or, or, or sad or who is going into that depression, it is crucial that you build yourself strong, your, your biofield should be strong so that you don't get sucked into that energy. Cool. Very so good. 
Yeah, that that's very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this is, might get a little bit controversial, but I need to ask the whole COVID debacle. You said that we shouldn't be, and you're right on this. We shouldn't be blaming individual people or subsets of types of people and how they should be living. But how dangerous really is this? And do you think that the second, this quote unquote second wave, should we be prepared to, for another drastic, for more drastic measures? Oh, thanks for the question, actually, because that's, I, when, when we have conversations, I like to have conversation of the current times as well. And that's when I say that you've got to be critical thinker. You can't just talk about your little own topic or issue and not connect it with the, with the current issue. So, but when I said to look into, don't blame right away, it's because one thing I noticed, some Americans will always blame other countries. But in my experience as living, as who have lived in the Philippines, studied in my small groups about political situation there, world history, I remember studying and having sleepless night more than studying in school, because we have some underground conversation about world politics, that when you are in that top, say, you're one of the superpowers, and most citizens of those superpowers, you know, not all, but most of whom I met, always do not think that their government has anything to do with it. So, so I said, if it was permitted to have any kind of laboratory in other countries, don't tell me that the government here or the elite here did not know anything about it. In fact, we protect our own citizens. I hope so. So we protect American citizens. So then we bring it somewhere. And maybe it's not a protection, but maybe it's just that we have too many regulations here that if they can get away with it in another country, so they do that there. So, okay. So it goes there. So that's what I mean. Like, don't blame it right away. Take ownership. Take ownership that we were part of it. We decided to do that. We wanted, just like now when we do this economy, I still remember, and not to get away from the topic, but still saying that do not just say something is happening outside and we have nothing to do with it. So that's one. And she, as a holistic nurse, I really embrace all kinds of creatures, beings, bugs, bacteria, virus. For me, they're just, they're just one of those things, okay? And so if they're just one of those things that comes out of being in nature, then all we have to do is back again to ourselves. We have to bring it back again. And this is even true whether it's man-made or, or, or not. Although it's always more dangerous, I believe, when it is, not, it is man-made. Anything that's not man-made is always more tricky, just like in food. Anything that we create from the factory is always hard on our body. So there, for me, there's nothing 
now there it exists but not something that we have to be scared of not something that we have to lock down the entire economy because i was more and it's really interesting i'm a nurse but the first thing that i saw like watch the economy that's gonna affect everyone's health and that if that affects everyone's income and the more they won't be able to afford the right food and sooner or later they may they may not have a good housing so all of this so you know and then i was in a network and they were talking about you know, also the bacteria, they're, they're talking all numbers. And I usually just listen because I'm sometimes you're in a group where you can't really fully express yourself and you don't want to be going to argument. But when they say for me, when they always say that it's going to get worse, I don't see it as worse in terms of like having a second wave or a third wave, but the, it will get worse in terms of the economy if we don't do anything about the economy because that's when it will get worse because in new york there's so many restaurants and other establishments that are closed new york is not new york anymore and here in princeton i said wow those businesses were there before i came to princeton in 1989 and now they're gone so i i, I you know i I know some of my, my friends and nurses, <laughs> I think some of them, they don't like to be, ha be having a conversation with me on the Facebook because they even didn't want that I posted something about a mask. And one of my friends said, you have to take this down because of your reputation. I said, what reputation? <laughs> I said, right, you're my, your credibility as a certified nurse. I said, what reputation? I am just one of an, a, a spiritual being having this good time in human and I happen to be a nurse. But I said, I'm not worried about my reputation. I said, I want myself to express and I want others to express. So if you believe in that, that's fine. So I never took it down and I just let people make comments whether they agree or not agree. But I know that some who don't agree, they don't like liking my post anymore. <laughs> And that's that's fine. So um, now I and now if you want to go to a conversation about vaccine, I never vaccinated my son. And so, but the one thing interesting of what's happening is, even when you have this lifestyle and mindset, you cannot assume that your family members will have the same. And Sometimes that's the truth. It's a little sad, but that's the truth. So when you're with family members, you kind of, you try to be careful in conversations because you still want to love. That love should be the your the bind among your family members. Yeah, um, I've always been saying that us here in the West, we've been babied too much. Um, like I've been to, I haven't been to the Philippines yet, and I do plan on going because uh, some some of your beaches are just absolutely breathtaking, and I want to go to Cebu because I heard it's just so beautiful there. But I've been to countries that I've been to Vietnam, I've been to Cambodia, uh, and we're so babied here in the West, like like it's not even funny. Uh, we needed this kick in the pants. 
if you ask me, we, we really, really needed it just to reset ourselves. And I think I'd like to hope for the most, for most people out there that they have hit that reset and uh, seen the, uh, what life really is, what life's really all about. It's not about, you know, how many countries you've been to, how many, how much cars you have, how much houses you have, or how, how big's your, how big's your bank account, all of that helps, but it's about like, like, like you were saying, like, uh, it's your family. That's the matter. Like, that's important. Like, uh, your teachings from, from grandmother to mother to daughter, this is what's important. But anyways, I'm going off on a tangent here. Let's refocus, switch gears a little bit. And I want to get into biomedicine. What is beyond biomedicine? Now that we're going into energy medicine, because for a long time in the mainstreams healthcare, the focus is biology. The focus is physical symptoms. Okay, once in a while, they may focus on your psychology symptoms, okay? But it's basic, that's why they give you prescriptions of if you go there and you have a headache or you have a stomach ache. So everything is just for your physical relief. Um, and that's why they ask you, they'll do your blood work. Okay, so they do that and they may do, for integrative medicine, they may even do um, saliva test, hair test. Those are still physical that's still biomedicine. So, and that's good. That's still important because we come here, I say we're spiritual beings coming here and experiencing as a human person. So we, can, we have this physical body to take care of. And I believe that the physical body also houses our spirit and vice versa. The spirit also protects our body. But if we just focus on if we are just treating our health, especially if you have chronic health, if you're just looking at that and you've tried everything for being physical, and that could also be even true to doing a lot of exercise, right? And you have your physical routine, what to do, your yoga, you're going to the gym, that's all important. But if you're not imagining even just just even start imagining that whatever you do to your body physically that there's still something out your physical body that you have to take care of and that's when you do energy medicine and there's a number of modalities or treatments or sessions they call it safely as sessions because the fda doesn't want you to be calling it as therapy or you know, something else, intervention, the session, and you do that, and you are now going beyond your biological medicine. Reiki is one of them, okay? So that's doing energy medicine. And there's semi-kinesiological testing that people do now, and there are different, a variety of them. 
And what I do is what you call the quantum reflex analysis. And QRA was really developed by Dr. Umura. But the, what I do is the semi-modified and that was improved and developed by Dr. Robert Marshall. So it's like a test that I learned from biology that, okay, this person has a hypertension and this could be the medication or this could be the supplement. But then I said to myself, well, what's the difference? What if the person has a different behavior or a different lifestyle or just different energy? Because you know how sometimes you meet someone and you can say, oh, I, that's, the energy of the person is good. The energy of the person is not good. Sometimes you feel it like that. Is it possible that there's a difference if you consider one's energy? And doing energy medicine addresses that. And when you address that, your potential for healing more or moving towards infinite healing is there, that that potential is there. Like there's a number of technology, that's what they call Rife technology, some Tesla technology. And that is also um, in, in available in some holistic spa. The only sad part is that as, as of this moment, it's not available to most people because it, it, the, the, the technology is still expensive. And there are many successful stories but but it's just that the public doesn't know much about it. And like energy medicine for like your dental health, right? So maybe if you have a toothache, so you know you're going to the to the dentist to for the dentist to look at that. So the dentist will maybe clean it, maybe need you need a, a filling or something. You so that's treating right away your biology. But a holistic dentist goes beyond all of that. Some holistic dentists, like my dentist, we do energy testing even before my tooth becomes symptomatic. I do that myself, actually, because we are trained to do that. So by just testing parts of your mouth, if it gets weak, and now weak, weak with what? It's weak in your biofield that's now going beyond biomedicine approach. And right away, it, it warns you already. It's like, okay, you, it's like your body talking to you. So when you do sessions outside your biology, your bioenergy field talks to you. And for me, it's a beautiful thing. You know, each of us has that bioenergy field and I think a country has their own bioenergy uh, country field or whatever you call it and then the earth has their own electromagnetic field that protects them and so, so we have I want to always think that we should look at things beyond biology and we were talking about earlier uh, about hope hopeful thing, being hopeful. I'm still hopeful. I'm very hopeful. But it's like that what's happening now is a condition of consciousness, raising of our consciousness that, hello, if we cannot defeat this by our physical means, 
okay, then maybe we can defeat this or manage this, transcend this in other way. And that's now all using energy medicine, spiritual medicine, and things beyond what we can touch or feel. Interesting. That's it. <laughs> Very interesting. So you're saying like something like, um, like, well, I'll take myself for example. Like every time I run, my cat, my right calf cramps up to the point where it feels like it's being ripped off the bone and I can't run. So you're saying that if I'm able to figure out the energy that's being blocked in there, I can externalize that and make it bigger to heal somebody else. Correct. Okay. So like you look in, in, in beyond biology medicine, you look, I look at ourselves like a, a, a transistor radio. Now I know some teachers, I was just listening to Paul Selig and he's one of the best, um, channeler or he 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 gets channeled by his guides so he looks he, the teachings he always gives is that we can look at ourselves as like um different different notes diff, you know how we're all crystalline matrix and it's part of our cell has different tones so and now we become like a symphony of an orchestra so if if your calf and it's always that part of the calf. So that means there's an interference in that. Now, it could be that it began not as a muscular interference. It could be that there's something in it already beyond the muscular interference. So that your muscle, and it's not even a question of which one came first, the, the chicken or the egg. But so those are all kind of just related that it might be an interference field of your energy. So then always, especially if, you're, if you have two parts of your body and one is always affected, that's a given. You have an interference field in your energy, okay? And that's been documented and that's, a lot, that's the experience of a lot of um, practitioners who does energy testing always now if both like if your shoulders are both aching or bothering you for a practitioner like me i will think it's just a nutritional deficiency if it's a nutritional deficiency that is just part of your biomedical treatment but if it's one part you go beyond biomedical treatment because if you don't, you can consume a lot of supplements and not really get rid of manage that discomfort. Because it's not, when there's an interference field in your energy somewhere, in that frequency of your body, in your uh, different notes in your body, then it's gonna, is going to not be, not, you won't go to full healing, potential for full healing. No, I, no, I agree 100% with you because it's happened to me time and time again. This is just a recent thing for me, but, um, yeah, like so many times where I've had to fix my inside and, you know, just life just got better after, but no, I totally, totally, um, uh, I'm 
100% on board with that. But I find it interesting. Um, so something like musical tones will help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just forgot. Um, but in terms of chakras, right? There are certain... You, you know, people can Google it because I don't think, you know, anything lately, you Google it, you'll find it. And that's one thing I learned. When you're ready to receive it, you Google it, you'll find it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's tones there. And I have not, lately I haven't practiced it, but before I used to practice it, and it's just nice to know the different notes. Okay, it's even interesting now that we're talking about it. And like, the notes, the, you know, the music notes, right? Isn't there like seven notes? C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. Mm-hmm. So, and they're like, there's only like, in general, there's just seven chakras. Okay. So all this, all this, this sometimes I wonder if I have all the time, I will keep researching on how people came up with it from the indigenous ancient thinking and then suddenly it becomes a, in the scientific world. So it's always began somewhere. Yeah, yep, there are notes. And that could be also the reason why when you listen to a music that may resonate to you, you feel good about it or you feel better. And like yesterday, I'm, since I drove to that assisted living and on the way back for a while, I have a tango CD sang music in the car. And there's one piece there that I really like because I, I used to dance ta- Argentine tango. I haven't now, especially now that there's no if, if actual events going on. So there's that music and it just kind of feels good. Again, music music therapy. And when I was still working in ICU and computer was new in each room, I remembered I was the first nurse to bring my CDs. And I was just thinking on the age range of my patients in ICU. And that's the type of music I brought. And I would play that music inside my room. And then the doctors would say, where is that music coming from? So I said, in my room, in the computer, I said, oh, I like that. So the doctors like it and my patients like it because especially they're older and I, you know, all those just oldies song and I'm learning it. And okay, some of them, in fact, may be on the, in, may are intubated, but they're conscious. So they may have something in their mouth and I sing to them. It doesn't matter if I'm not a best singer. All I know is I sing to them and they appreciate it. So well, I, I'm, I'm very creative like that. I was, I'm, I, you can't believe I stayed in ICU for 20 years, but I was holistic. How did I do that? It, I just did it. I don't even ask permission if, can I play this music? No, I don't. Can I please use this um, essential oil? No, I just keep using it and using it, introducing it. And before I know it, my room is the best smelling room. You know, it doesn't smell poop because you know, and <laughs> I see you. And so, and, and if, if the nurses need anything that will make their room smell good, naturally, okay, not the spray, not the spray from the pharmaceutical company, but from the spray from maybe the health food store, but I use essential oil, I will bring that. So 
that's how I continue to incorporate all that indigenous thinking that I have for that. Now, where did I, I don't know what, how I went to that <laughs> conversation, but I thought it was just still good information for our viewers to you know, be just creative. All of this is about creativity and believing that you can do it. <laughs> No, I love it. Uh, my full-time job, I think most people know now, it's, it's in a hospital. I do IT and uh, I visit the ICU and CIU and CC, uh, CC, CCU, cardiac, cardiac care unit. Cardiac and um, yeah, it's, if I heard music as an IT pro coming from a patient's room, I'd be like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> but yeah. I get it. I totally, 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 I get it. Um, what kind of daily habits would you recommend for people uh, in these kinds of strange days to improve their wellness? Start really practicing meditation. Now, I know some people who say, I can't meditate. So let's just say that you define what meditation is, okay? Yeah, that's my meditation. Because some people do movements as part of meditation, okay? You can, they, they do that. But just having a quiet time that you don't talk to someone, you don't go on your phone, and, and your mind will always be busy, but if you get into the habit of just taking deep breaths slowly and just Rest, resting, resting intentionally and just noticing your own self. That's, I think that's so much power, that's very powerful. When I began to practice that a lot, but I've been practicing meditation for a long time already, you know, but before, the same thing as in yoga before it became like a buzzword. And I always say that if everyone has that mindful practice, I think we don't have to be arguing with our partners or with your children or with your coworkers. So that meditation is always good. And because we have, we, we have limbs, so that means we're meant to move. So find a way to do some physical activity or exercise for those people who likes to go to the gym, then you find your way to the gym safely. For those who don't like to go to the gym or now that most gyms are, some are open, but some are not, then just walk around outside. So I think if people can remember those two things, that will be really helpful. And I believe that almost everyone is trying to eat healthy more than ever, okay? So, and you just continue not, continue doing so don't don't and all the rest when you start one good habit i believe the the rest comes the rest to for you to add will just come naturally because your your body your spirit your mind leads you to to something more that you need so that's now you're attracting what you need and i love that when you and you realize that, oh, you don't have to really reach out. You want to go so far and you're already just attracting it. And that's why some people will say, how come you, you're like, you seem to have a good luck. No, you start attracting that, that which resonate to you, that which help you to 
elevate you more to do your purpose in life because that's what we all want, right? Have a meaningful purpose. So you start with those habits. Cool. Um, you actually said something um, about move about moving meditation. Um, would martial arts and going to the gym, would you consider those two tasks as moving meditation? The, the martial arts, definitely. Going to the gym, I guess, depends on what the activity would be, right? If, if one is going to the gym just to have a lot of conversation, I guess, maybe not, okay? Uh, so uh, I don't know the routine of people in the gym, but I know that in martial arts, because I do Filipino martial arts, uh, I do Kali, uh, not not lately because I'm still doing a lot of intense doing things in podcasting. And so I said, I'll take a break. But he started teaching again in New York. So it's really very meditative because meditation for me brings you to yourself. Then when you bring to yourself, then that's it's a good practice. It comes naturally that you bring yourself to others in and you become really mindful mindful in that so that's martial arts other than knowing the skills you know being sensitive to yourself to your opponent to whatever you're doing to whatever um, like in the filipino martial arts we use a lot of uh, weapons from sticks to knives to just free hand so you you do that and and the filipino martial art and I, okay, shall I assume that in all martial arts, even if I didn't study, but let's just say we, I, we can start observing. It's, it's also a, a dance form. And some of them become hidden actually in the dance form. Because in political history, when things are not being permitted, whoever controls it, then it's wonderful that people create ways to hide it. <laughs> to protect it and it becomes a dance just like capoeira right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so in the filipinos especially in the southern part of the philippines there's so many dances that if you keep looking at it you'll say oh that's like in the martial art too that's like oh that's a movement of the bird and that's a movement of the butterfly and they can you know you just kind of walk and then you can whack that and you know you can hide that as dance but you're like whacking <laughs> okay so and that's the and but it's very yeah it's meditation and meditation and I know others, even when they just ride their bike, is to in their best moments. You know? Yeah. Um, when I was at the gym this morning, uh, this afternoon, my first time I went to the gym in six months, um, I was talking to no one. I talk to no one when I'm working out. I, that's me time. And I just, it's me, the weights. And that. For, that's why I asked, uh, could you consider the gym as a, as a form of meditation? And yes, martial arts. I also practice martial arts. And yeah, yeah. So I, used to, I used to practice Sistema. So if you look at Sistema practitioners, it is looks like a dance. Okay. You're dancing with each other because of the communist regime back in uh, the USSR. Sistema. Yeah. 
Wow. There's a school in New York. Check okay. it out. It's really okay. good. Really yeah, good. send me later the spelling, okay? Because okay. I, I could look at their YouTube. But yeah, as I was telling you, yeah, it could be meditative but because you're doing it on your own, going to the gym. But I know a friend of mine, she only devotes 30 minutes. So she said she don't want any distraction, you know, it's just 30 I only have 30 minutes. And that, that was a good discipline for her. And she looked sharp and healthy and energetic. And I thought she'll be like two hours. She said, no, I just have 30 minutes. And in that 30 minutes, she has her routine. And that's it. And outside too, when, she, when during the nice weather, she'll do the 30 minutes outside. But then when it gets start to get cold, then she goes into the gym for the 30 minutes. Nice. Um, when people start to lose that motivation to keep practicing what they're practicing, how would you go about how what kind of tools would you use when uh you you, you lose motivation to let's say uh go to your go to your next cali uh training session okay um for any activity or for the martial art for, for anything, anything for anything just in general um the, the hot and cold shower <laughs> always helps me energize me okay just like you know when you wake up and sometimes if you feel like a little lousy and you don't feel like yeah because you know like my class is in new york and that means it's an hour a few minutes to go there to drive so and uh, so but but the, making sure that you get that quick and hot hot and cold shower and rinse with cold like perks you up and perks you up that you will do something. Okay, so that's one one tip I can always give. And if I had to drink anything, one thing I would like to drink is the a, a good green tea in the morning. Or if I don't have that, okay, I will have that warm water with lemon and with some salt good salt i call it the pink salt and it has volcanic salt because it mineralizes me and it wakes me up like okay let me go <laughs> okay so again those are the the, the the that for now that would be good although i know that eventually if your motivation your lack of motiv motivation becomes chronic then you have to really address that because it is, especially if it is affecting your performance, if you're working, if you have to go to work, if you have your own business and you really consistently have that lack of motivation, that it's time to either really look at everything that you're doing from your food, like check out, okay, how come I was okay last yesterday and now I feel like such lousy. I feel a little depressed or I don't feel to do anything, which sometimes it's good. We're allowed to do that once in a while. But again, if it's affecting your own performance for the dreams you like to do, then check out now your food. Now it's maybe time to get the boost yourself with some good supplements. And I know some really good green tea capsules really help. There's and even a, a company came out with uh, what you call cog cognitropic capsules, which is great for your brain, as well as for your gut, as well as for your sleep. So it really brings you up. 
the whole day. And if you know that your, your lack of motivation or maybe lack of energy is happening at certain time, then check out again what's going on with you. So if it becomes chronic, look into it. But if not, continue. But those habits of taking a hot and cold shower, always it's an instant energy, instant motivation for you to go out and do what you need to do. <laughs> okay. And of you know, everyone says, go find a partner or find someone who is motivated and just rub it on you. <laughs> That's awesome. So we're going to dance back to the very beginning where we started talking about going back to your roots. So what did you mean by uh, your roots and your foundation? My imagination is like we're... We're like trees, okay? So, and each of us has roots. And I want this to be remembered because it's not that I'm, like for me coming from the Philippines has, has only the good roots of indigenous healing. I think everyone has that indigenous root. And that means what is from your ancestors way back, but as most stories and ways that you can gather, think of that. Now, some of them may not be helpful anymore to you at this present time. So take those foundation the roots as helpful to you and when i say it's a foundation because i'll give you again on, on how i apply this mindset is when you are when you are going away from your family okay it, in fact here in america you, you most kids tend to live in another state right or when they, yeah you you separate yourself from your family in the philippines you, most of us don't really live our family until you're married, okay? So we're always attached to our family. But when we live, when we're not from within our family anymore, so when we leave our country, then that will help you. How did it help me? Because when I came here being by myself, then if I get sad or a little lonely, then I know I could remember my memories when I was growing up. And all those good times that are, were valuable to me, I can lean on that. Then when I gave birth to my son and I didn't, again, I didn't know, I didn't have any aunt to, to ask, okay, how do I do this now? The blessing is, the blessing was that I'm a nurse, so I know a basic baby care. But when they're sick, what I do is I used to call the Philippines. So my roots, my connection with them made, made me, uh, gave me enough resources, enough resources to just help me out in us and, and get me through whatever problem. So that's for me, again, in a foundation. So if I want to encourage anyone it's again going back to yourself 
to your family and to see if my mother or my father is still alive, say that to yourself, then what would they say to me? Okay, maybe someone will, some, one of you, some of you will say, okay, well, I didn't have a good relationship with my father, mother. Okay, so we just leave that be and forgive that and find another adult or find another memory that you were able to, that was helpful for you. And that becomes your roots. Now, it's interesting thing. When I imagine ourselves as roots, just like the trees, underneath, you never know where those roots go, okay? They go, in my imagination, they go past the island, past the country, past some, you know, maybe I'm exaggerating it, but I'm, I just, I'm not scientific enough to dig into where those things go, but I can imagine that also like the mushroom network, where the mushroom, every every area, every surface, every ground where we put our feet in, there's mushrooms there that are powerful. So for me, those are powerful. And when we have the, when we appreciate our roots, whatever it is, whatever sadness, happiness, we embrace all of that. That's still part of your root, just like again, an ordinary plant. They have to have good roots in order to, to start growing to thrive. So that's, and, and I, I always say that even to my cousins and before, like when they think about you know, coming, going out of the country, visiting or working somewhere else, I always say, just don't forget where you came from and use that as a foundation so that you don't go into the depression or um, you don't go into, into some kind of habit that will uh, not be helpful for you. And before you know it, instead of making yourself, because all I, I think when you, for us, when you get out of your country, you're seeking greener pasture. As we said, we came to United States to have an American dream. And if, if we don't have that good foundation, then all the other problems that they all hear, whether it's economic problem, race problem, or, you know, then it will just keep us down. And, and one of those roots, one of those roots for me is having some kind of a spiritual practice. Um, whatever religion, whatever, it can, doesn't have to be a formal religion, but if you believe that you have, you have some, something higher that you can count on, that's still part of your roots. Um, I do want to ask you one thing about the, the ethnicity part and based off of the religion. Now, in the U.S., here in Canada as well, there have been so many generations of so many different types of people, let's say, uh, different types of cultures that, have, that, are, that are here. Do you think that it's important to go back to where the ancestors came from? Like, for me, it's not too hard. For me, it's easy. My grandparents came, my grandparents came here in the 60s, so I'm second-generation Canadian. So 
I know where my I know where my ancestors came from because I also did a DNA analysis with Ancestry.ca. Mm-hmm. It's not a plug for them, people, but I did mm-hmm. it and I found out that uh, I found some interesting stuff. <laughs> so, do you think do you think people will have a deeper appreciation of themselves if they could find out where their ancestors came from and they started to I'd say uh, practice what their ancestors what their ancestors would 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 do. I think each of us has that innate desire to know our ancestors or to know where we came from. So, because I always uh, encounter people who either they start knowing, they start searching and more and more, especially if they hear others. And I also, I'm glad you said about your second generation because and they said a lot of Americans, uh, they, they don't know much, their ancestors. So they really start looking. And then the ones who know, I seem to see that they have a different confidence in them. I noticed that. And Right now, uh, last year, I attended this conference in Canada, and it was my first international conference in, in that organization. And it was sponsored by a Filipino organization. But the the, the uh, delegates who came, the attendees, were all mo- were mostly mixed um, Filipinos. Uh, mixed Filipino Americans, Filipino Canadians, and when I say mixed from different race, like there will be from a Caucasian, from uh, the African mix, and everyone seemed to really want to know what what is their foundation from their parents and from uh, from their mother or from their father's side. The ones, and, and when I see what led them to, to search is they, they, they experience some confusion when they hear stories. So when they hear stories that, especially stories that may have some negative, negative insinuation about one's culture, and if you really don't know it and you just believe a story without knowing, then uh, your intuitive knowing, then it will make you depressed or you would not know like where do you really belong if it's again a human nature of having that innate feeling of desire to belong. So yeah, I think it's very important. It's, it's, it's not a must, but it, it's, it, it's beneficial. It can benefit you if you're if you want to appreciate more where you come from. And I, I think there's nothing wrong when you're trying to know where you come from. Like for me, my, uh, my, father, my father did not know his father. Yeah, my father, yeah, he didn't know, but he only knew it from his grandmother's story. So, but out of that story, I was trying to trace that as well. Then that kind of was, I was, I, that's when I visited um, Malaysia, just trying to see 
the, you know, how the stories weave. And it's just interesting that while I was in Indonesia, then one of the people sitting across me in one of those funeral services in Indonesia said, you must come from this part in Australia. And I just like, how did the person know I was seeking my heritage? Then, because he says, then I met her, I talked to her. Because I said, you, you, she said, you look like from that area. So I told her my story that my, what I heard is from my father comes from that tribe in Australia. So, you know, so anyway, I didn't get a chance to meet any of them now, not much more now, but all I know is I feel good at, okay, if I come from this and let me learn about their ways. And if there are good ways that I think it will apply to me, I'm going to borrow, I'm going to use them, you know, <laughs> as there's nothing wrong. So then you have a lot of tools, knowing where you come from, it, is like having a toolbox when you have a toolbox and you can use them. That's how I I, I know. So if, even the children, if they know that we have a good source, I think it will help them when they grow up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, what is the healing dance? You have your book. Oh, oh, I'll show you too. Can you see it well? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so this is the healing dance. I, nah, because life is like a dance, right? Anything is like a dance. I love to dance. So I, I use, I, the dance word resonates. So this book, The Healing Dance, A Fusion of Massage and Asian Healing Arts. So inside actually is a lot of pictures. A lot of pictures where I, it's like an, a pre-introduction for someone who does body work and who wants to learn some indigenous healing touch. And that just, uh, I, just like I, I, we were talking about um, when, you, when we all get sick in the Philippines, your first go-to will be your parents and they will do some massage on you. So that's the healing dance. But in this healing dance book, I wrote a little bit uh, an introduction of the Filipino indigenous healing and then connected it with the Thai massage because the Thai healing is, I find it very similar to the Filipino healing. And I place a little bit, few recipes here, Filipino recipes. That is also the same food in, the, in, in uh, Thailand. So whatever like I can find that's kind of like similar, that I do that. And why did I do this? Again, I don't know, it, my, my desire is to uh, pay respect, pay respect first to where I came from. Then it's like, I did it as my own permission that after I do this, then I could keep moving forward and share what I need to share. So um, the, the cover, is a painting from an indigenous, uh, from a Filipino artist. When he was sick in New York, he kept painting this and he got better because his intention is to get better by painting it. And he did get better. So this is actually an image of the ancient Filipino healer. In his mind, that's his interpretation. So nice. he, I have this cover, uh, I have this painting. 
And he said many people want this because it's a beautiful painting. People wants to buy it from him, but he's, he couldn't seem to let go until he met me. <laughs> he said, oh, I know. Now I know why I couldn't because you deserve to have that painting. And in that book also, in I place like, in the Philippine culture, we have also ancient script. And so like, this is script. So it's very similar to like a Malaysian script. And but truthfully, it was never taught to us in school. Again, it's part of those, you kill the culture, then you kill the spirit of the people. And you know, that's part of that. So we didn't, we never taught, but they were all also part of the uh, anthropology and that they discovered. So in, in each page, I tried my best to put my language, the Tagalog, the main language. So if I put here dedication, I put Pagahandog and I put the script. Okay. And when I did this, that was, we didn't have a extensive internet, you know, nowadays. And I remember I was searching for the script. I had to email someone, write someone in in uh, California, and he was a scholar in, in the Filipino ancient script. And then he was really surprised that I was reaching out to him. He said, there's not a lot of women who wants to know about the, the ancient script. So I, I told him why. I said, I want to put even a little bit of that Filipino word and the script. And then I made a prayer. I And they're all written in the script. And who helped me with this? My son. So when he was still 10 years old, he helped me with a little, gra gra not the pictures, the, the setting up. So you see, because, so for me, it became like, while he's young, let me have his energy. Let me make this as a souvenir so that I can, I can, I can have it as a written uh, document that we did it and also a contribution to my Filipino culture to have something in writing. Okay, did I say enough? So oh, that's that's really nice. That's really yeah. nice. So all that. It's a shame when. Uh, yeah, I always I always find it a shame when people just try to snuff out the snuff out the roots. I mean, I, I don't understand why they would want to do that. I mean, I mean, in ancient Greece, we had like huge amounts of different types of healings that yeah. we had because of all the doctors that uh, the Hippocrates and a lot of his, a lot of, a lot of his studies are gone forever. And it's quite sad, actually. Yeah. I, I was, it, it always hurts me when I, when I hear like, when I hear like uh, one culture is trying to snuff out their, their roots. I'm like, why would you want to do that? That's, it defines you because they said um that's where that's where you if those who wants to manipulate and control that's where you really control you know that 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 economic situation and the cultural situation yeah. so we gotta have a very strong spirit nowadays especially yeah. now because and then we can't let that put us down. And yeah, we can keep remembering that. So have you been, have you gone home and visited? Seven times. I love Greece. Uh, you see? <laughs> it's, 
it's interesting because every time I go there, it feels like I'm going home. Oh, <laughs> and nice. I understand now. I understand why. When I saw the ancestry thing, I'm like, okay, uh-huh. that explains it. Okay, correct, right? Yeah, I. Other than your delicious food, <laughs> other than delicious food, we have a um, the 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 small company who I work for in terms of the nursing uh, the d- dementia care the facility. They are owned by people who's who came from Greece. Oh, okay. nice. There's, Second generation. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, they're very nice. <laughs> and just around me, actually, last year opened up a restaurant called Local Greeks. Oh, Local Greeks. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a hit. I said, you know, not all restaurants open up and suddenly it becomes like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. <that's>, uh, <laughs> okay. I could spend an hour talking to you here about your food. <laughs> and especially since you since you actually say it's similar to Thai food because I love Thai food, yeah. haven't really had a lot of experience with Filipino food. The only one that I do is uh, bayu. Oh, don't you know? Someone someone asked me about that yesterday while I was at the nurse at the facility. I was sitting there waiting for the aid because. I will introduce the aid for the client to see if they match. Then a guy just stopped and said, where are you from? So I think he knows I'm from Philippines. But then Sabina, so do you eat balut? I says, yeah. And I said, do you like balut? I says, yeah, very much. Oh, but I, you know, it's not as good as in the Philippines. Here, it's okay. You can get something in the refrigerator on a Filipino store. But it's good. Um, oh, thank we- you. <laughs> when we were taking the boards in, in nursing, when we were in the dorm, at the dorm, and in the evening after, because it was, like, I, I went to a Catholic university, even if I was Protestant. So the university, in the evening, we all prayed together because we're taking the boards. You know, we need all the help other than studying. We pray together. But after we pray together, and that's, that's eight o'clock, we go down and there are local vendors in a, in a local basket uh, covered with cloth and they're all warm balloons. And they said, that's good for the brain. So we, we buy balloons. <laughs> okay. So you really ate it? You ate it? Me? Uh-huh. No, never. <laughs> I've, I've never been to the Philippines and uh, my boss is actually Filipino. And uh, he asked me if I would eat it. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, if you don't, if I think people will eat it if they don't know about how it, and you, you don't really look at it. <laughs> Someone said they will eat it in the dark. Okay, <laughs> eat it in the dark. There's some stages that you don't really identify it, but then there's <laughs> some stages where you do. <laughs> you cannot fully identify that there's a little bit there already. So then if you, because if there is, you might feel so sad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Getting back to your book, because I could talk to you for hours about your, about food. Like I love, I love Asian food. I love it. (laughs) Um, What's the connection between the massage and the Asian healing arts? Um, Okay. 
massage and the Asian connection, the massage in the Filipino massage or massage in general, Asian massage. The one that's in your book. So I'm assuming oh, okay. it's well, Filipino. Well, the connection is that in, in, the, in, the, in a lot of Asian healing arts, there's a lot of, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of, um, how do you call it? Um, rotations, manip uh, just uh, circular motions, rotation, pressures. So it's basically, you know how when you do yoga, but you're not doing yoga for yourself, you're doing it to someone else. That's basically like in that uh, in 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 my book, okay. So you're you're, but those are the motions. Those are the movements. Then there's a lot of acupressure. There's a lot of points that you do acupuncture, but it's a lot of acupressures. So that's then when and I see that they're all there's a lot of similarities among among that area maybe because the global trading was really it was existed um, existed already even that time so and that's the same thing sometimes when i travel and i see how come we have a lot of similarity of food so if we have a lot of similarity of food so there's a lot of similarity in the healing arts as well and then if you if if really one is a historian or they study more of the ethnicity and how it connects from one country to another they said you have to know and study language because in the language is hidden the different cultures so like when i was in indonesia in that sulawesi area there our salamat word which was thank you they have the same word, which also means thank you. So if that's happening there, so in, in the hilot, in the massage, that also happens. So that's why I just connected it there. And I connected it directly to the Thai because the Thai is very systematically already systematically documented. Whereas us, we just kind of didn't have that opportunity to document it and, and you know as i said um, we were easily our culture was easily like uh, except for mindanao there's one big island in the philippines that they were able to protect their culture a lot and that's in mindanao which continues to be like a political, there's a lot of political unrest there. Because as you see, when, when they could not fully conquer that area, they continue to conquer that. Mm. So that, that, that is always the, that's how, why I, I, I connected that for the massage, which is the term of the massage is hilot. The hilot also could be massage in English, but it also could mean of uh, noun. Uh, I mean, okay, hilot as a noun, but it could be also hilot as a verb. Because, like, if I'm if I do massage, I, someone will call me hilot. But hilot can also be more than the person. You know, what I'm saying it gets. You know, in in fact, when when some Filipinos knew that I do it, 
they and they they you, sometimes the Filipinos give you a little bit of different respect when they know that you can do hilot. Then, but one thing they also thought that when you do hilot, that you're much older. And I remember when I went to New York, maybe 10 years ago, so someone hired me to do hilot. And when I went there, they thought they would say someone who will be maybe chubby or really with white hair, really old looking. They don't know that I'm not really that young, but I look young. <laughs> That's definitely they don't know. <laughs> they, they were expecting that in the picture that you have so much wrinkles already and that you're doing this as a halo. And <laughs> that's why, mm -hmm, that's why, that's why I always say that if you want to live, uh, my, my, my strength for people, especially if I want to help them and if people want to be helped in terms of um, incorporating complementary medicine or just being old and healthy, I am their testimony, <laughs> testimonial. <laughs> I, I truly testimony. I, you know, you can do all your research, but I'm your testimonial. <laughs> and that, so I hope I did not disappoint that person because he said, oh, you're the healer? Then he, she really said, I thought you're much older. Then I just smiled. I didn't, I didn't want to tell them that I'm not really that young either. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so Hilot in Filipino means like a healer kind of thing? Yeah, it could mean massage, it could mean healer already, both. Okay. But the healer could come in a person doing the massage, person who just focuses on herbs, which is in Spanish is also called herbolario. Okay. And then the hilot in the Philippines may mean curandera in the Spanish, maybe that that kind of uh so it, it becomes sometimes the definition is hard, but yep. But it, it some some healers just do rituals. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think for me, my gift of my healer is finding finding medicine in any place where I go. So I'm now in America, so I can be telling them all the herbs from the Philippines because they're not here. Maybe they might find some in some stores, but a hilot, in my understanding, in my practice, is you can find medicine where you are. So, and that's so. If I'm in another country, I'll find medicine there. Interesting. Very interesting. Because uh, in ancient Greek, hilot means something totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Is a good one? No, it's not good. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Is it spelled the same? Uh, H E L O T. Oh, very close. So, hey, you never know. I don't know. You never know how they 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 changed. Oh, talking about that is going to be. I'm sorry, I can't remember it. But there's this Filipino comedian, and he the the. Late last year, I attended his, uh, I saw him in, in NJ Pack in one of the big theaters here. Mm -hmm. And he's he been comparing the Filipino culture and the Spanish culture. And there were really few words that 
in Spanish, it, it's good, but in our word, but it's the same exact word, it's bad. And then we will have good word, and in exact Spanish, it means bad. So somewhere, sometime, in point, someone decided we'll make this different. <laughs> I think so, because, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not a swear word. It's just the person. Uh, Hilat, Hilat in, in ancient Greek means slave. Life. Yeah. The, the Spartans used to have the Messenians as Helots, oh. as their slaves. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, it just... Mm-hmm. And to have it spin on its head like that and, you know, have it like a, as a healer, it's yeah. interesting. Like, like you said, like in, in one, in one, mm-hmm. one, one country has it as a bad word and the other one has it as a good word. So it's like you said, like it's something, like you said, maybe somebody just said, you know what, yeah. let's just flip it on its head. And put right. It and positive. That, yeah. Uh, but that reminds me though, that labeling something can doesn't always help because that limits okay and that's why sometimes i stutter when i have to describe this i always just say unprecedented time because i don't want to give credit i don't want to give credit to anything i'll i'll say the virus is my friend because my little ones were with me this this weekend and then they said Oh, I haven't, they haven't been with me for six months. So they were with me and they said, you know, Nanaila, that, that's grandma, the virus is outside. I says, what did you say? I said, the virus is outside. I said, okay, yeah, they're outside, but they're inside the house too. Then they're, they're inside the dirt, they're inside here, they're inside the air, you know, that's where. So then I, then they, they didn't say anything, they were just listening to me. I said, don't be scared of the virus. What I want you to remember, Make them your friend. I said, make them my friends. Yeah, they are your friends. If they're around you, make them your friend. You take care. You better eat your food. You better sleep well. You better eat your house and listen to me. Make them your friend. Because you'll meet many more virus. You'll meet other people who you'll meet something. But make them your friend, okay? So just remember, anything you're afraid of, make them your friend. Make them your friend. So from this time on, I'm, I'm going to keep saying that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And sometimes you'll meet people that are viruses. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, we're going to be wrapping up in a, in a short little while. Uh, I always ask these six or seven questions to all my guests, and I, w- I just want to get your perspective on these uh, six or seven top uh, questions. So uh, with the increase in people suffering from depression from the lockdown, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? That there's always an opportunity to change. Okay, when, when I say to change, to change your, your, your feeling. So it, it, it's not, it's, it's okay to feel it temporarily, but there, it's not permanent. Things are not permanent. Nothing is permanent unless we choose to. And sometimes even when we choose to, there will be moments that you will feel not depressed. And in that moment, just keep practicing that moment. And you can keep practicing and just keep smiling and just if 
if you have some type of spiritual belief, then, you know, do that. And I like having affirmations. So then use an affirmation, whatever it is, but nothing is permanent. I like that. Very, very good. Thank you for that. Um, where do you see your practice, everything that you're doing in the next five years? <laughs> well, I want it. I want to imagine it. Let me just say, okay, that's it already. It's 10, 10x exponentially reaching a lot of people and collaborating with a lot of interesting practitioners like you. I love collaborating around reaching out those who would want my help, but at the same time, I would want to help other people who are going into the same direction for be to transcend, to transform, to grow, to just be happy and just do magnificent job for for everyone. So, for, so I want to do a lot of webinars. I want to create a lot of videos that are helpful. And lately, I've been making progress in that. So that's really quite exciting because now I'm really ready to embrace whatever change is happening online or on, on this distance um, relationships among people. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, I want to see that we are free to move around more with no, no dictation or no mandatory back vaccine so I can move around. And if that doesn't happen, in terms of mandatory thing, well, I'll find a way. So I, I always say that there's always a way around it. Hey, if, if I was, if was able to not vaccinate my son during that time when it's not even popular talk, okay? It's just a lot of, you know, side talks about it. If I made that, I can make it again for me because I want to be free and do that. And I guess just, just being super healthy because when you're healthy, that's another thing. Take care of our health because we have important things to do. If, and when you're healthy, you don't end up begging, I call begging, or depending on a system that is already broken from the very beginning. You don't want that because then if you don't know to take care of yourself, you'll just take everything that someone is, the system is giving you and that's it. It's really, it's okay. So that's how I see it. That's very good. Uh, very, very, very good. Um, if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself when you were 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? Whatever you're doing that's enjoyable right now, just keep enjoying it as long as you're not hurting yourself or not hurting others, just embrace all the curiosity, curiosity and pay attention when something is coming your way. Just listen to it and just explore it. Don't be scared. You know, you're 20. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Looking back, would you change anything? That's always a good question. You know, you always have to take a pause. <laughs> Sometimes I would say I could have done this that I'm doing before. 
Sometimes I say that, okay, maybe I should have done this long time ago. But then I, then I have a second thought that, oh, uh, maybe not, because maybe you aren't ready and maybe you would not be able to be as happy as engaged right now. So, no, I don't think so. I'll still, I'm, I'll, I really, if, when I look back, everything that happened, the, the not nice ones, the good ones, they all were like helping me to be where I am right now. Awesome. Uh, what keeps you up at night? When I, I get so excited and so excited with what I'm doing, I have a lot of ideas that keeps me up. Uh, then, oh, but if I have like a relationship problem, when I say relationship, it could be just my own son or just anyone whom you value. If I didn't have a good conversation for that day, then it will like, it will keep me up. <laughs> so those two things, but I think relationship is really important to me. And then creativity. So my mind gets so busy. Like sometimes I feel like, oh, did I really sleep? And I said, I have all these ideas. So that keeps me up. Now, oh, whatever is happening now, no, I'm not going to let them keep me up at night because I know better. I have to make sure that my spirit and my, just my life, my soul will be good. No, no, we won't let them bring us down. Awesome. Uh, where can people find more about you? I have my old website, which is graceasagra.com. But my new website coming up is quantumnurse.life or quantumnurse.org or quantumnurse.net. I decided to own everything, okay? <laughs> Seriously, and a quantum nurse affiliates because I'm thinking ahead because I want affiliates as well. Okay, so that's quantumnurse.life and that will be where I will have my landing page and it's ready actually and it brings you to the free video series that people can start using the tips that I, I share there and it's also a way that I can get to know whoever will subscribe and you could all inspire me on what else to do. So that's the website. And for the, for the podcast, and just like John, you see, he, I'm on the multiple platforms from Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Some of them, I totally don't even know fully how to use them, but they, I'm there, <laughs> I'm there. And I already started also the, the YouTube and getting to know how to do that. And yes, everything is still on my effort because I want to learn my, my, the technical things. I, not, not that it's easy but for me, but I, I get excited when someone or, or I'm being guided and then I learn it and it's exciting to, to do it. So that's yeah, good. And for everybody uh, listening out there, we're going to be posting all the links to Grace uh, in the show notes below. So below or to the side, left or right, or even above, wherever the show notes are, most likely below. So you guys have access, easy access to Grace and all her amazing content. Um, any final thoughts? Oh, I. so I thought, okay, since I John may ask me my final thoughts. Well, I decided I want to share with you a quantum affirmation, okay? 
And this is, I, I have these cards and I shuffle and intentionally I choose what will I share today with John and the audience. And when I say quantum affirmation, this was really energetically tested for, you know, that it's, it brings positive to whoever uses it makes your energy, your biofield strong. And it's good to say this three times in the morning, in the eve, at noon, and in the evening. If nothing else, morning and evening, okay? So it says, jump for joy. I love life and choose to live life exuberantly. I am full of energy and enthusiasm. I take time to experience joy each day whether in big or small things. I love life and choose to live life exuberantly. I am full of energy and enthusiasm. I take time to experience joy each day, whether in big or small things. I love life and choose to live life exuberantly. I am full of energy and enthusiasm. I take time to experience a joy each day, whether in big or small things. Uh, and I thank you. And in my language, I say Mabalos. Well, thank you uh, for that, because that was amazing. Um, that was absolutely amazing. I don't know how to respond in Tagalog. Well, you respond to me in, uh, do you know the Greek in word? In Greek? Uh-huh. para poli, hispano. Mabalos. And you know why I asked, why I asked you that too? Because there's a quick story there in, in a medical center, there was one who speaks Polish and one who speaks Chinese and they were best friends. None of them knew their languages, but they really were talking seriously. <laughs> so if I say Mabalos and you could see a smile on my face, you say. There you go. <laughs> see? So we, you know, language especially it can limit you. So, but the gestures, the facial expression, body talk—that's a real communication. Absolutely. And the voice. They said in 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 uh, frequency machines now, it's your voice, and you will you can tell the voice if the voice has high frequency and good sincere thoughts mm-hmm. that will come in your voice. Awesome. Well, Grace, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I appreciate you for all the work that you're doing. It's, it's critical, especially in these times that we have people like you out there putting out po- these positive messages. So again, thank you so much. Um, you're definitely going to be on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> I passed. <laughs> oh, everybody passes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little secret for, for the rest of the guests. You all pass. <laughs> so thank you. Going through going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then. Every, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world.